Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to Gay Men Going Deeper, a podcast by the Gay Men's Brotherhood, where we talk about personal development, mental health, and sexuality. Today, I will be your host. My name is Michael Diorio, and I am joined by a very, very special guest, the lovely Craig Cassie. (laughs) Welcome, Craig. Hey, everybody. Thank you for having me, Michael. Thank you so much for joining us today. So, Guys, I am really excited today to have a very honest and candid conversation about different relationship structures, everything from monogamy to open and everything in between. So this includes open relationships, polyamory, and it runs the gamut. So on today's episode, we're going to attempt to answer questions such as what exactly are alternative or different relationship structures and what do they even look like? How do you know if it's right for you? How do you find people who want the same thing you want? And probably I would say one of the most important pieces, how do you even communicate this with partners or potential partners? So uh, to help unpack this topic, I have asked the lovely Craig to join us today. So Craig, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Happily. So hey everybody, Craig Cassie is my name, based in DC, and I'm a professional executive life coach, coach trainer, and importantly for today's conversation, a sex coach. So primarily I help individuals and partners, be them two throuples or more, learn how to optimize their relationships and actually create a lot more adventure, abundance, and achieve authenticity which is usually the key cornerstone to a real thriving relationship. Uh, So today's topic is one of my favorites. I think in today's day and age, even more common, no matter where you are along the LGBTQ spectrum. Yes. And uh, the good thing is, I am also equally passionate about this topic, as Craig knows, we have had many conversations about this privately, so it's going to be very nice to have this conversation and share it with you guys. So I want to start off by quickly saying that this is by no means an attempt to convince anyone that any one relationship structure is better or worse than the next, okay? This episode, this conversation is simply about shedding light on perhaps the more lesser known uh, relationship structures uh, so that you can make informed decisions about what makes sense for you. Okay. So the reason why I wanted to do this podcast in particular is because for those of you who are in the gay men's brotherhood, uh, free Facebook group, and if you're not, please join us. It's free. Um, what I see is when these topics come up, when people ask questions, when the topic of open or polyamory or monogamy comes up, there is a a lot of people who get worked up about this topic and it produces a lot of shame and judgment and guilt. And that's not what I want to see. I far prefer to have these discussions coming from a place of curiosity rather than condemnation. So as a coach, uh, Craig and I are both coaches, you know, we advocate for education uh, and conscious self-exploration rather than simply unconsciously accepting the status quo or accepting the norm. And I think it's pretty safe to say, at least for me, I'll speak for myself here. I was raised thinking that there was really only one way to have a relationship. And that was basically you meet, you date, you move in, you get married, you have your kids, you stay together until death do you part, period, the end, full stop. And while the structure absolutely works for a lot of people and will continue to work for a lot of people, it does not necessarily work for everyone. So something that I've seen, and I'm sure anyone listening to this, if you've clicked on this topic, 
has probably seen that there's been a big cultural shift in terms of how we look at relationships. And I think that is a beautiful thing. I think it's a wonderful thing that we start to question this stuff. And the way that I look at it is that our relationship frameworks are evolving to match our inherent desires, our inherent human desires. And we're moving from a place of two more relationship acceptance and relationship diversity, meaning that that traditional status quo of monogamy is being just looked at and saying, hey, are there other ways to do this? And that is a very healthy thing to do. And what makes me very proud being a queer person is that I think that queer people, queer people in general are on the leading edge of these conversations. We are leading the way, we are showing people how it's done and how it's not done and learning from our mistakes along the way. Okay, so that's my quick little caveat uh, to the conversation. So let's start off by answering the very obvious question. What exactly are alternative relationship structures and what do they look like? Totally. So I also want to just echo for anyone listening, I'm much like Michael. I grew up with one relationship structure in my head. It was either you're in one or you're out of it. And it was that monogamous two-person relationship that had a head towards marriage that also had a white picket fence. So I think for many people out there, this is kind of like the norm that we see culturally. And we really learn from relationship or about relationship structures from the media, from our own childhood. But if we look at what other relationships there are out in the world, we typically start from monogamy to anything other than monogamy. So monogamy is going to be your two people, they're romantically, emotionally, sexually, only with each other. And then we might look at open relationships, which could be a couple where maybe they both have access to playing with other partners and we look at the boundary setting there, they might be open in that they bring in a third and they will both be present for that. Uh, they might play separately. Um, and there are also open relationships where the partners who are together are primarily romantic and emotional partners and they happen to have sex squarely outside of their relationship. So this begins the foray from two people to two people and more, right? Opens really anything that includes another individual to also looking at polyamory, which polyamory is gonna be more of the, not only do you have a relationship that crosses the multiple spectrums of romantic desire, emotional and sex, but also you have relationships now with two people that fulfill both those or more. You now we have throuples becoming more and more popular, uh, seeing people, especially I think in the queer space, we have couples who've been together for a longer time now having additional boyfriends or girlfriends or, in the kink world, you'll see people having puppies who also are an extension of their relationships by and large. Yeah, and I think uh, it's it's also important to realize that it's, it's it's very fluid, right? Like there's not necessarily one, like we, we, as humans, we like putting things in little boxes and labels and that makes us feel good and it makes us feel safe and secure that, okay, we know what this is. But the reality is we're always kind of kind of moving, you know, oh, I might like this, so oh, no, I don't like that, or, or you change and grow over time, at least that's been my experience. I at first was like, monogamous was the only thing I wanted, and I was terrified of thinking of anything else, where now I'm at a point where I'm exploring non-monogamy, and it's really exciting and, and, and curious. So as much as we like to label things, let's remember that it is very fluid, and, and there's really not a box with a cute little label we can put on things, right? Completely. And I love that you said that. I think a lot of us find safety and comfort in that initial box. And this is why for a lot of us, when we first come out, we come out as say gay or bi, and we like to sit there and imagine that that's actually our reality for the rest of time. 
And for a lot of us, when it comes to our preference and relationships, we might prefer monogamy at one point. We might prefer an open relationship later on in life. And we might actually be in long-term relationships where they go from monogamous to open and back to close again. You know, our desires, they both change as we age and, and based on our experiences. And if you're listening and you're curious about what's for you, what's not for you, just know saying yes to one of these does not mean you say yes to it for the rest of your life. Your relationship is really yours to design. And I know personally for me, I've been in monogamous ones, I've been in open relationships, and I've been in open relationships where when things got stressful, we closed them up. When I was working a lot or my partner was under stress, we closed them up to focus on each other, to fill up our own cups. And then when things became more relaxed and we were in a you know more calm place, we open back up to have more fun. So I love Michael, the, the fluid nature, you're totally nailing it on the head there. Yeah, that's very, it's a very interesting point. I, I haven't had that same experience in my life yet, but although, you know, like I just said, I would like to start to experiment more with that. Uh, so Craig, I know we're going to talk a lot about communication in this, in this podcast, like in, inherent in any conversation about relationships, regardless of what structure they are, communication is sort of at the core of it. Um, do you think that it's harder in your experience or having to communicate with a partner when you're either, when you're open versus when you're non-open? Ooh. Uh, yes and no, no and yes. And here's okay. why. Uh, you know, the research shows that the happiest couples are the ones that trend to over-communicate. This goes for open relationships or closed. Uh, but we know that when people begin to have those conversations to open up, one of the first hurdles that I, they might experience is, well, how much am I going to communicate about my desires for people outside of our relationship, about the fun that I'm having, uh, or even about the, the upset that I experience when a partner has a you know, romantic tryst or a sexual experience. So I really think for all people, whether you're in a monogamous relationship or not, the key to communication is to really approach your partner from a place of curiosity and seeking understanding, but also to create a space for both of you to check in at least once a week, right? A lot of us think a healthy, happy relationship, you should always know the state of your partner and know where they're at in their internal world. And I just want to say, it's not so like we live busy lives. Sometimes we're going to be distracted. That's normal. And doesn't excuse us from checking in with how our partners are doing and allowing them to check in with us. So something like a once a week check in to see where we're at and how we are, whether open or closed has been a huge game changer for a lot of my clients. Fun fact for the listener viewer, uh, Craig actually posted something on his Instagram and we'll share that in the, in the notes for the podcast uh, listeners and viewers. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, Craig, you posted something on your Instagram to that effect. And I actually took it and I, and I implemented it uh, for the first time on Sunday. We're doing it on Sunday nights as our kind of check-in. So um, I definitely love that. And thank you so much for that because it, it completely makes sense. Even, even I have been guilty of doing exactly what we said. And like, you know, we've been together for X amount of, you know, X amount of time. You should know. And like that, that you should know really doesn't, doesn't, isn't very useful. Yeah. How unrealistic too. Like I love to crystal ball, especially as a coach. We love to think we know a ton of shit that we really don't <laughs> because it's our livelihood to be curious and to be really self-aware. But um, I think one of the greatest blessings of, and when you share it, y'all can see it's a, a five-part reflection question, basically checking in on how your partner is doing, how they're feeling loved by you, what support that they request from you the next week. Like one of the gifts of just choosing an experience like that is it takes off so much of the responsibility about having to be right 
or sometimes when we're in that gray space and we don't know what's going on, it takes away a lot of that stress that might trigger us from thinking that we should know or that we have to control a situation in order to know. And uh, you know that I think for anyone possibly considering opening up the relationship, this is a foundation of a healthy communication driven one, which is the freedom to express yourself, the willingness to, to be wrong or to not know, and also not make yourself bad for not knowing. So it's actually a very unfair expectation for any partner to have of themselves or each other that we should always know what's going on on our internal world. Yes, very, very, very well said. I couldn't agree more. Thank you. Um, so something I wanted to actually mention on this particular topic is the term that I hear a lot uh, when I'm asking you know, other couples you know, what's their, are they open or what, or whatnot, they'll say monogamish. And I absolutely love that because I think as soon as you say it, it doesn't really need a definition because it kind of says it in, in itself. But uh, I think it was coined by Dan Savage, if I'm not mistaken, the, the term monogamish, but it's basically couples who are mostly closed, but they allow for some uh, activity on the side. So what would you say about this sort of umbrella or term or, or vague term called monogamish? Yeah, I mean, pop culture friendly for sure. I think it speaks to probably a lot of us and maybe our desires in monogamous relationships. And I say that as I see a lot of people who maybe they came from a Puritan culture and what actually works for them is monogamy most of the time. But they still are turned on by ideas like the adventure of a threesome or when a partner goes away for work where they're able to play when they're alone for a long period of time. Um, and this is really the cool thing about relationships today from a queer perspective or an LGBTQ one is if we were to take away the expectation that society has for straight relationships, right, heteronormative, patriarchal relationships, we can just ask ourselves what actually serves us. And that might be what helps me feel safe and loved and gets me off, right? We want to design relationships to also hit all of our pleasure centers as well. And how does it actually work in my lifestyle as well? Mm -hmm. So this is why you'll see some couples who are monogamish, uh, they're monogamous publicly in every which way, because based on the place they live and their work and their lifestyle and how visible they are in the community, they might prefer to be viewed that way. And when they go elsewhere, they have their fun because it just makes your life work more easily, creates less stress for them. And so this is a totally valid option. And it's something also to consider when you're looking at how you want to open up your relationship is, you know, how do you want to be open in a way that serves you both and also doesn't get in the way of your life? Because it is something that also impacts the way we engage with other people. Yeah. I think the, the hard part there is serves you both, right? I think that's been, that's been sort of the, there's, it's easy when you're single because you're just serving yourself and, and that's lovely. Uh, being in a relationship has a lot of advantages, but one of the things that I found difficult and I, I'm sure a lot would agree is all of a sudden we have to take someone else's needs into consideration. Not that we, you know, people please them or anything, but they have to be considered in the greater good. So for anyone out there who is listening to this and thinking, well, like there's all these terms these guys just throw out there. How do I know what's right for me? How do you even start to explore that question, Craig? I love that question. And if you're listening as a question, you should probably ask yourself until the end of time, because what actually are your needs, first off, they're not static. 
initially they're probably culturally determined. So they're great to question really what, what is given to me by my family or my friends or what I feel I should or ought to do versus what's actually true if I got to write my own book, so to speak. So I begin there just looking at what needs do I feel I have. And if I were to be able to write my own society, book, story, paint my own picture, what would I actually want? My start from the ground and see what's possible there. Um, additionally, a lot of us don't actually know fully what we want until we explore something. And this is like the beauty of sex coaching. A big tenet of what I provide my clients with is permission to go adventure and to do something that you like or might like and find out that you don't or that you really only want to do it with your partner. And this is kind of like you explore and you learn as you go. So first off, I definitely reflect on, you know, with a blank sketch pad, what your needs could be from desire purely. Second, I'd say actually begin to envision or actually begin to practice it and even have those conversations with your partner um, and know that it's also a longer term conversation. A lot of us, we have initial desires and the better we get at being honest and experiencing them or expressing them, we find that we actually have even more desires that we previously were sitting on we weren't allowing ourselves to, to feel. That's why these relationships and sex in general is a growing journey of our own evolution. I love that because I have found that in my in my relationship that that has very much been the case. And all of my relationships, actually, even, even as I think back to like my very first relationships with men when I was what, 20, 19, um, you know, it starts off with one thing. And then if I'm in a situation where I'm with somebody who I trust and who I can explore things with, then it's safe to say like, Hey, by the way, like, I actually like when you do this in a, in a sexual perspective, or, Hey, I think it'd be really cool if we did this together. Um, and when you have the right partner who allows that it's so for me is like the most attractive thing you can give me as a partner is like, give me that freedom to explore, to be me. Like, let's have this container that is safe to which, for which we can both, not just me, for which we can both explore this kind of thing. Yeah, it feels like a total game changer. I'll say one of my favorite relationships, and you know, I'm in a happy long-term, I'd say monogamish, quasi-open relationship now. But before then, I had a partner who's really game for adventure, and we just wrote a list, two lists, of the things that we might be interested in, or just the things that we haven't done that we wouldn't mind exploring. So we actually crossed them off one at a time over the course of two and a half months <coughs> in summer. So very busy, very busy summer in that regard. <laughs> but we learned a lot of things that we enjoyed and we learned a few that we really are not turned on by. And so I think that's a great activity too. But you mentioned something really important, Michael, that's how do you actually create a relationship that allows both to be safe while exploring? I'm curious for you, what have you found having been going through it most recently? Yeah. So, you know, when I was answering this question for myself, I, I found that I had two needs that at the time for me were very opposing. One was this need for security and stability. Like I wanted someone I can live with and build a home with and, you know, have all those well, quote unquote traditional aspects of a relationship with. But I also craved and really desired novelty, sexual novelty, novelty of experiences. And in my mind up until, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I guess, I thought that those were two separate things and that you could not have both. And so it just kind of, something had to switch. The light bulb had to kind of go off in my head and say, hey, wait a minute, how can I have both? Like what's stopping me from having the security and the novelty and finding that beautiful balance in between. So that's sort of been my story of, of what I, what, I, what I'm yearning for and what I'm going for. But, you know, as you said, 
sometimes it's, I want that security and sometimes I want more of that novelty. And so to answer your question just now, I think it's a lot of communication. And for me, the most important thing is I never want to be able to feel like I have to hide my need or desire. Even I wouldn't even call it a need. Let's just call it a desire. Like I don't, I would never want to have to hide that from my partner. Like if I see someone I like, I want to be able to tell him, Hey, I'm totally into that guy. Um, and just like at least have a conversation about it, like at the bare minimum, more than an open relationship, I advocate for open communication. Like I never want to have to shut myself off from, especially for my partner, especially of all people, that's the person I'd want to share this with the most. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I love advocating for open communication, no matter what kind of partnership you're in. And I'll say for me, like I, the times when I have felt safest in relationships are times where I have felt seen and heard where when a person actually hears me say stop, I'm not even talking sexually, I'm talking about boundaries for how we engage out in the world or even during COVID, like they respect it. And I think one of the important things I had to learn was if what I desire is transparency Mm -hmm. and open communication, it's actually my opportunity to lead in that way and to be the one that starts the conversations and really packages it in a way that my partner can appreciate. I mean, he's an amazing, real white boy from Michigan who has not had the relationships where we've always been able to be super open. And so I realized that part of my experience is I've had a lot of these conversations that he hasn't. It's unfair to expect him to lead some of these conversations because they are new and they're outside his comfort zone, even if he wants to be having them. So how can I actually create the space for him to have his needs be heard, to playfully explore his desires out loud while honoring the fact that maybe in past relationships, that's the thing that wasn't allowed. Or that's the thing that was actually bad. Like our relationships open or close can be healing from this place of allowing a partner to be fully expressed and not making any of that wrong. And by leading with that kind of curiosity, we receive that in return a lot more often. That's been a, a certain, certainly a challenge for, I think for me, um, and, and I love that curiosity, compassion, and communication are sort of the, the three C's that I like to always, if I'm, if I'm at a impasse in, in my relationship, I'm always like, where am I lacking? in one of those three, it's usually, usually I'm lacking in one of them. And yes, he might be as well, but I can only focus on me. Right. So, you know, compassion for self, for, for other uh, curiosity and why am I feeling this way? Why do you think he's feeling this way? Putting on that, that empathy hat and uh, communication, which is a lot it's one word, but it's so much easier to talk about it than just to actually communicate in the moment. Um, speaking of curiosity, I think a great question for people to ask who may be in monogamous relationships or are sort of debating this question altogether is what is the source of your curiosity towards openness, whatever degree of openness you want, whether it's the full extent of it or just monogamish, you know, what is the source of curiosity? Because what I hear a lot of, and this, this, I would, I would call this a myth is that the only couples who are in open relationships are couples who are having trouble or who are on the rocks and, and they're using this as a sort of last ditch effort to save the relationship. I hear that a lot. What do you have to say about that? (laughs) Uh, The ones who are long-term open probably are on the opposite side. Uh, the people who I know who are open and there's research out there in this too. Uh, the ones who make it work are usually the ones who are very open to communication. They check in with each other often. They're actually always oriented towards each other or a mutual goal. 
And usually what happens in relationships where there is a breakdown and people are like using openness as a last ditch effort is something that they've turned their attention away from each other or a shared goal. And while people say that a lot, I actually find that most open relationships, if they've lasted for a minute, are not that flavor whatsoever. The ones that do, they pretty much fizzle out pretty fast because it becomes very apparent what they want and what they don't have. Um, but there is a chance that for people who go open, they realize that there are things that they want and have received outside of the relationship and they want to begin to bring those back inside. So this is one of the curious things that happens in sex coaching a lot is we realize a need or desire or an itch that we haven't quite gotten met by our partner. And now we actually want our partner to start doing it. So how do we have that conversation of my cup is not filled up in the space and I actually want it to be. So if that's you out there or your partner wondering if you need to have that conversation with your friends, your romantic lovers, whoever, uh, it's actually a really great place to check in and set the foundation of, hey, I love you and have a desire to continue, you know, growing our relationship together. Are you open to talking about where we're going and how we can get there hand in hand? Mm. We share that we are invested in the relationship. We like it. We love it. We want more of it. We share and express an interest in the future of that relationship. So we know that the vulnerable conversation we're about to take on is not actually putting us at risk. Uh, we might also say this when we're recovering from a relationship wound if somebody, say, cheated or they did something outside the bounds and we're trying to actually grow back together. This is one of the ways we do it. And then we begin to have a conversation of what's our shared goal and how can we actually make that happen step by step. Yeah, that's super important. I think what comes up for me as you're saying that is uh, vulnerability like this. It's scary. It's scary to be vulnerable, even with your partner, right? Sometimes, sometimes mostly with your bar- partner, because you feel like maybe that there's the most to lose. There's the most at risk. Um, so, you know, there's a whole conversation about how to embrace that vulnerability, how to have that conversation and face those fears. What would you have to say about that? Well, this is the work of the individual. And I think sometimes we over rely on our partner to create a sense of safety for us. And then we make our partner wrong. When we don't feel safe or we don't feel, you know, kept and we actually feel triggered. So I want to, I want to flag that first. Like anytime you're going to be vulnerable, it's normal to feel afraid or scared. And it doesn't actually mean that you're not in the right relationship or a healthy relationship. It might just mean that you're entering waters that are outside your comfort zone. So first thing normalizes, you might have those feelings. But the second thing is this, uh, consider outside of that experience, like what are your data points for the health and happiness of your relationship? Like, is there a lot of positive data that says you are a co-creative one, partners in crime, you know, not everything has to be perfect, but lean on that to trust that when you share your truth, that you're actually going to be received. And sometimes we're actually in the space where we need to be vulnerable and we don't fully have that trust. At which point I say this, uh, if your truth cannot be received, it's better to have like shared it and to find that out because if they're unwilling to receive that, then they're also unwilling to be a partner in a relationship. You might be two people under the name of a relationship, but if they're beating back your truth, then you're actually in a relationship breakdown. You're not with each other. You're looking at each other, throwing things at each other. So that's a real piece of truth. That's really healthy to get out and to know, because then you can at least take a step in the right direction, which is, acknowledging it, inviting them to, you know, co-creator 
choose a different way of being, or you can choose to then leave. I love that. I am actually going to borrow that as well. <laughs> Take it, Michael. It's all yours. It's so, it's so, so true. So I did a, one of these podcast episodes actually with my own partner uh, back in the spring, I think. And we had talked sort of about how we came to be uh, over COVID. We were, were a COVID relationship. Um, and one of the things that I had set out to him from the beginning was I, all my previous relationships had been monogamous, exclusive, kind of that traditional um, closed relationship. And what I knew for sure after my last ex was that, okay, the next guy, I definitely want to be open to being open, right? That was my thing. Like, I don't know what it looks like. I haven't, I haven't done that work yet myself, but I wanted someone that would be equally as willing to explore this with me together as a partner partnership. And I put that on the table remarkably quick, <laughs> uh, maybe more, maybe sooner than I would have liked. And it was very, very scary. It required a lot of vulnerability. And even when I said it, I was like, Michael, what did you just say? Like, you're going to scare this guy away. Like, why did you say that? Oh my gosh. He's going to, you know, and all the things, all, all the things that come up after, after you make that share. Oh, yeah. But it was great because what he did was, I mean, he hadn't got that far yet, but he knew as well that this, this was something that he wanted to explore for his own reasons. And once we came to agreement on that, it was like, okay, all the possibilities just opened up to us. And it was really a beautiful thing. I love that. And hey, there's never a right time or a wrong time. I think a lot of people ask this question, which is like, how long do I wait when I'm in a relationship before revealing this desire type of thing? And I want to note this, you know, there's not a spectrum of like where a gay person gets to or where a queer person gets to. We don't start off monogamy and then everybody ends up in the desire of an open or a polyamorous relationship some people stay monogamous forever and they're thriving some people go open come back to monogamy and they're thriving some people cannot even imagine monogamy and will always be polyamorous and it, it's all kosher and cool um but i love when we're met with the opportunity to just be upfront about our desires on the front end knowing that they're kind of flexible but like inviting the partners in who are willing to meet us where we're at. And this is one of the things when it comes to dating, whether you're open to exploring or you've practiced and you know that you really want monogamy or you really want an open relationship is it doesn't have to be this heavy thing. It can be something light that you share that lets people know where you're at. And from unattachment, from knowing that the right people will come to me and that if somebody isn't down for this, not DTF with my monogamy or my openness, they're going to leave. Like, great. The people that are going to be turned off by that are not your people to begin with. Save that money. Go buy yourself some great takeout. I don't know, but like those are not your people. And the more uh, direct you can be about your desires or your curiosities, uh, the faster you're actually going to find out who is in your actual dating pool to be in a relationship with or to have fun with and who is actually on the outs. And whether they're sexy, you know, they're your type or whatnot let them leave because somebody just as sexy who is going to be in alignment is right behind them and they're taking their spots. <laughs> I love that you are open so early. I think that's a really powerful, courageous and, and vulnerable move that I really commend. Thank you. And I echo everything you just said for people who have been to my online dating workshops. I, I say the same thing. Like, do not be afraid to say you're looking for a long-term relationship because it acts as the extra, like, or, or whatever it is you're looking for. If you're looking for a fuck buddy, then that's fine too. But whatever it is you're looking for, say it up front because it just acts as a filter for everyone else. 
right? Don't totally. like, I think we have this thing where we, we try to attract as many people as possible. I'm like, you're not looking for as many people as possible. You're, you're just looking for like one, maybe two or three, right? Yeah, totally. One of my favorite stories is actually a dear friend of mine shared that uh, they were looking to have a baby. They were unwilling to share that while they were looking for a partner. So like how many gay men out there are really looking to have a baby right now? And the advice that he got, which still resonates with me is, well, what the fuck are you doing messing around with people who don't want to have babies? Why are you even worried about that? Tell mm-hmm. everybody, date number one or before, that you're actually committed to this kind of thing, having a child. And they will stick around. You'll know that they are you know, in your zone of what will work for you, or they're going to leave. And that's going to make it so much easier. And this can go from, you know, openness to monogamy to having kids to even a lifestyle. There are people who really want to travel the world and be nomadic, or they plan on having a dual city, you know, lifestyle. We might be upfront about that too and say, hey, I'm here for now. And I'm going to be doing this two city thing or traveling around. And the relationship I want is also one that I want to expand in that direction. Are you game? Are you not? You're hitting all the right spots today, Craig. <laughs> that, I love when I hear that, Michael. I love when I hear that. <laughs> that resonates with me as well, that, that dual city thing. So uh, yeah, it, it applies to everything. Really, like it's, it just speaks to authenticity, having the courage to be vulnerable and realizing that fear is coming with you because without, without courage or without fear, there's no courage, right? They, they go hand in hand, at least in my experience, they do. So I wanted to also talk a little bit about something that comes up for a lot of people when we talk about uh, openness and, and monogamy. And one of the things I hear a lot of, one of the first like fears people have is, oh, the jealousy, the jealousy, like, oh no, I don't know if I can handle it. I'm going to be really jealous. How would you, how do you help people go through that? Yeah, um, there are a few different ways and, and jealousy comes from a few different places really. So I think the first question is, what about this has you be jealous? What is it that you desire and are not receiving? Or what is it that you fear? Because those trend to be the two places where jealousy comes from. Uh, my partner is having something that I want, or my partner is giving something that I want, or is actually fear transmuted as jealousy. So, oh my gosh, my partner's with a sexy individual, and now I'm afraid. So I'm going to be jealous because if I was doing that thing, I might feel safer. And the latter, that is actually a false narrative. And this comes up a lot in uh, beginning of open relationships when people are first battling the desire for like a tit for tat. Well, if they want to have a hookup, then I should, or I need to, to be on par. Mm-hmm. So I want to put this out there first. An open relationship will never be tit for tat. Like humans are not wired that way. We do not all have the same desires. It's okay for one partner to have more sex, one to have less sex. That might mean nothing about the health of your relationship, your attractiveness to each other. And this is the work that we take on with jealousy, which is if you're in a healthy, committed, happy relationship, it's normal to have those feelings pop up, but check back in with your partner and let them fill your cup and begin to trust in what you have. Because the actions you're taking on with others don't actually mean anything about you. We're not raised to believe that. We judge our health of our relationship based on actions all the time. Hell, every Disney Channel movie. (laughs) It's partially based on that. But I would ask yourself, really, am I coming from fear or do I not have a need being met? Do I not trust my partner to meet it or whatnot? Or the third one is, is there a boundary being crossed? 
And jealousy can sometimes be indicative of that. So can anger in relationships. If we're feeling angry, usually a boundary has been crossed. It's not unhealthy, just an emotional indicator of where we're at. And then take it back to your partner. We might express things like, hey, I recognize that I actually feel jealousy right now. I don't know why. You might even share that kind of confusion with your partner. Don't know why, but are you open to talking with me about this so I can figure out what's going on in my internal world and letting them in? Uh, and it's not uncommon, it's not rare, but that kind of connective conversation is what will dissipate the jealousy because you'll feel seen and cared for. It'll give your partner clue too if there is a boundary that maybe you didn't even know you had, which is actually very apparent after the fact. Sometimes we learn our boundaries by crossing them. Uh, and then it also gives you a chance to, if you do realize that you have a desire for something else, maybe then you change up a bit of how you approach your open relationship. Or maybe you want to commit to something different just so you do get to have that new payment. Yeah. Or, or it's possible even that you decide after a certain period of time and, and the conversations, I think it's very important that we iterate that those conversations I think are, are key no matter what, but if you decide, you know what, maybe this open thing isn't for us after all, that's okay too. It's okay too. Oh yeah. And there might be a time and I look at relationships, these long ongoing experiences there might be a time where an open relationship isn't for you. There's a, a fracture in your relationship. Someone made a mistake, crossed a boundary, or without having certain boundaries, you went beyond what feels comfortable and you choose monogamy in order to repair those wounds. Like this is normal. And actually any relationship is going to have relationship tears in the fire, right? Anytime we invest more focus on work or family, or we just in our natural expansion as individuals, like part of growing, is going to create tension in any relationship, you know, romantic or at work. And so the, what we take on is then coming back together and seeing what do we need? What do we want to create from this tear? How do we re-thread the needle? What do I need? What do you need for our mutual vision? That mutual vision comes up a lot, I think. And I really like that. I think it's super, super important. What I've noticed in, in, in relationships is that when couples, my, my own included, have something that we're working towards together that on its own is its own level of intimacy beyond physical or sexual. That is just so it might be, it might, it might actually turn me on more than other kinds of intimacy. Because if I am with someone who has like this joint ambition, like we want to build something, we want to create something, whatever that is, it is for me mm -hmm. such a turn on. And it, it, it's, it, it's a beautiful thing. Mm, totally. My partner and I right now, we are planning a year out to move to Barcelona for three months. And this is forcing a lot of quasi-vulnerable conversations. We're really transparent now about what money do we have coming in? What do we have in our savings? What do we want to put away each month? But I will say every time we have that chat or I put in 10% you know, of a check, it's like a hell's yes to our relationship and a hell's yes to our vision. And there's something really beautiful when you are equally step-by-step -step investing into a shared vision it's almost like a reaffirmation of your commitment and there's the excitement and the joy of seeing something build as well i think a lot of times we look at a building relationship in terms of the natural markers that we see in society like oh we've moved in together or we've hit a year or three years where we hit an engagement and those are great and they're valid and there are other ways to measure a growing relationship you know, how have you come back after a fight? Might be an example one. How have you created 
uh, more vulnerable conversations. What's the vulnerability that you share that you haven't shared with others is another great marker. But the third that you're speaking to is what's the vision that you have and, and are you making progress to it? Which that kind of, that way of being is what really makes a relationship work in the long term. Uh, it's that one is to come together to co-create, to design something that you share and that you want, and then to actualize it together. I think at the end of the day, we all, I mean, we all want at the, at, at the base level, the same kinds of things. We want that trust from a partner or somebody. We want security on some level, safety on some level, intimacy on varying levels. Intimacy can come in a lot of different forms. Passion, you know, that, that sexual connection, love, which means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, so regardless of this conversation we're having about different relationship structures, we are more similar than different. I think the point that I want to make here is that these needs can be met in a variety of different ways. It's, it's not just the one and the one is great and there's nothing wrong with it, but it's about finding your person who is willing to do the work together with you, creating that joint vision, being willing to get it wrong, having the hard conversations, being willing to be vulnerable. Um, I talk a lot about relationships for growth, right? One of the questions I love to ask people who are, who are, wanting to be in a relationship is I ask them, why, why do you want to be in a relationship? And it might seem like a very obvious question, like, well, because, but really sit down and answer that question. Why do you want to be in a relationship? Uh, for some people, it's because they want to start a family for others. It's financial security for others. It's just companionship, someone to travel with other people. It's motivated, motivated by sex or something. None of these are wrong. It's just really important for you to know what that is. And for me, what I've come to discover is the biggest moments of personal growth in my life have been in relationships, even the ones, especially the ones that were not successful or that didn't last. I don't want to call them not successful, but they didn't last or, or they weren't meant to be my forever person. Um, and so when you come to a relationship in a space of I'm willing to grow through this, I'm willing to get it wrong. I'm willing to fuck up. I'm willing to learn. It just, for me, it softens me and it opens up possibilities. And I love possibilities that's beautiful i the the way you speak about coming to a relationship soft and letting it actually impact you and being willing and also i hear a lot of like openness to letting things go is such a, a beautiful component of i think any relationship and also what a gift to ourselves to let ourselves actually be with the impact of our relationships to let things go and to be willing to be soft it's inherently vulnerable allow us get hardened by the relationships that didn't work out we resist the potential for pain again i've definitely been there myself but the consequence of that is you know the more you resist pain put on that armor uh the more you actually keep people at arm's length and you prevent them from actually being able to love you and then you prevent yourself from being able to receive the love that you might really crave so you know michael thank you for for sharing that that piece of you yeah, I mean, Craig, we see it all the time, um, you know, in, in the Gay Men's Brotherhood group, uh, a lot of people talk about this fear, you know, we talk about vulnerability and, and why it's so hard. And it comes from so many different places. But at the end of the day, it's some kind of fear, fear of rejection, fear of judgment, uh, fear of getting hurt again. So maybe there's some past wounds that, that come up. Uh, there might be trauma, like there's so many reasons why people put up that wall or that mask. Um, no shortage of reasons, but it's so, what I would love to just show people is that when you can lean into that and then have that courage, step into the courage, 
it is such an empowering decision to make because regardless of the outcome, you would have proven to yourself that you can and that you're worth it. And in my experience, at least only good things have come, maybe not directly, but I would have learned how to face fear and I would have become even just 1% more courageous each time I stepped into that vulnerability. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And hey, I've had some toxic relationships, especially back in college that I spent a lot of time analyzing after the fact. <laughs> Hence, I've become a coach for relationships. No irony there. But um, I'll say this for those of you who are listening and who really feel that that physical anxiety or fear, when you do look at putting yourself out there, um, welcome to the next level of your evolution and your work. It's going to be growing your belief that you can meet that fear and also meet the pain of living and dating that comes with it and actually keep on going. You know, if you're here today, then it's yet been something that you have not survived. And while it might've been painful or frustrating, there's also some real beauty to go hand in hand with it. I mean, we talk in the gay community and the queer community a lot about how we self uh, segment or almost ostracize between different groups, whether it's age or uh, a certain body type or hell, we've got bears and wolves and twinks and I don't know, an otter, <laughs> all kinds of animals out there. And uh, I think one of the gifts that we as queer people can really give back to ourselves is a willingness to meet our pain and our fear, to actually, you know, bring some compassion to it. Like, hey, this is valid and it makes sense, but I'm actually committed to something more, which is doing the work to have a partnership and to not let my fear rob me of that or my fear be projected to hurt other people. Instead, I'm gonna meet it, I'm gonna keep going. And no one says you have to go from zero to 100 in, in one day. Like we talk about vulnerability, there are rings of vulnerability. Not everyone should or needs or deserves your innermost uh, vulnerability. So you might look at how can I be authentic, honest and truthful and vulnerable, but also what does a first date kind of vulnerability look like? How do I show up as myself and not pretend or not try to perform or achieve to be like that is vulnerability in and of itself. And it also doesn't necessarily show our past wounds for people to pour salt into, or it, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be extremely attached from day one. And then feel really devastated when people walk out if they do. That is such a huge point. I think it's really important that that brings a vulnerability, um, it's almost like we, we forget kind of, yeah, we, I think a lot of people do think zero to hundred. So when we talk about vulnerability, it's like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to expose my, my, my most emotional, deep child's core wound to you on a first date. And that's not, that's not what that's about. So I think that's a really important um, distinction to make. Uh, there's different types of vulnerability and each person deserves uh, a certain level of it. Let's talk a little bit about communication then. So you work a lot with uh, with relationships and couples, um, so this must come up a lot for you. What are some tips, I guess, you could give to people who are either single looking for a relationship or in a relationship uh, who want to have a discussion about changing their relationship structure or even going into it from the beginning in something that isn't necessarily traditional monogamy? Yeah. Uh, the first thing I'd recommend is to look at where you actually are and where you're coming from. Uh, when it comes to looking at open relationships or the relationship you want, sometimes we actually come from fear as opposed to like authenticity. And it's normal to actually desire something like an open relationship in the LGBTQ world if we think that's how you're going to get a relationship and you haven't been successful in the past. 
So look at where you're actually coming from. Is it because this is what I want or this is what I think I have to want in order to get my relationship or to have us go to the next level? And once you have that authentic answer, I recommend having the conversation very straightforward and just setting yourself up for success. If you're in an ongoing relationship, you know, make a time to chat, could be casual over breakfast. You know, I say all the time, the best time to talk about sex is actually not in bed while you're having it, but it's like out walking the dog. (laughs) Or it's like when you're at Trader Joe's buying groceries, like these conversations, they don't have to be heavy. They don't have to happen in a heavy way. And it's actually better if they don't happen in bed or during or after sex. Um, But those can go great too. Just allow them to have a space elsewhere in your life. And you know, state your commitment, your desire for the relationship to continue, and then bridge that there's just a new place you want to explore and see if they're open to it. And when they say yes, cool. That's when you have a conversation about where you're at, what you actually desire, and you don't actually have to know. I think this is a big thing in relationships. We're so primed to need a yes or a no, or like a black and white truth. Like what I want is an open relationship as opposed to, hey, I'm actually curious about Like I feel in my body, a desire for this thing or a three-way for an open relationship or the inverse. Hey, I actually feel in my body. It's been on my heart or my mind that I want to close things up. What I really want right now is monogamy. Are you open to that conversation so that people have a chance to actually meet you in the mess, meet you while you're in process, as opposed to just meeting the final answer you've gotten to after five weeks of, of racking your brain about this thing. So find out your truth, right? Approach the conversation, sharing commitment to the relationship, asking them if they're game to chat, and then basically exploring it hand in hand, which might look like, here's what I desire. What do you also desire? What overlap do you hear in our desires? Is there anything outside of the overlap? Anything in like the no zone, the things that you really don't want right now? And I say language like right now, because it's never a hard answer for the most part, we always allow room for ourselves to expand, but we also wanna be really clear that when someone says yes or no, to respect it and take them at their word in that moment and not to be playing a long game where we think, oh, if I wait longer, my partner will eventually want to become open when they say they really want monogamy. And when they give us our truth or their truth, we actually, it's our job to respect it and take them at their word, even if we think it might not be what they'll want eventually. I'm laughing because, first of all, thank you for, for that, but I'm laughing because that's exactly what happened to me with my ex. I expressed what I wanted in terms of let's explore openness, and it was a hard no. Like, absolutely not, no discussion. It's a hard no. It's a, it's a black and white for him. And I would mention it again, and I would mention it again, and I'd mention it again. It was always the same answer. No, no, no. Eventually, started getting, he started getting really upset that I kept bringing it up. Um, so my thought was the same as what you had just said. It's like, well, I'm just going to, one day he'll change his mind. And guess what, guys? He, he didn't change his mind. So what about for those situations? Like, had I come to you, Craig, I'm going to put you on the spot now. Had I come to you from that space um, where I love this, I, I loved him deeply. I wanted to spend the rest of my life with him. But I had to sort of, what I felt was I had a choice to make between him and this future and these desires that felt, I guess the story I, I was telling myself at the time was, these desires aren't worthy of my attention or they're like, you know, I, I kind of felt like I had to choose. Um, I'll let you know my rate after this session. <laughs> we can talk about it now. <laughs> For here, uh, it's interesting and it depends. 
because you know there are people who have fantasies or fantastical desires that they'll actually never want fulfilled and that's kind of the difference between like a fantasy versus like a, a thing that we lost and want to, to create in life which is you can fantasize about orgies and, and actually be very happy in a monogamous relationship even though you have you know that porn that you always watch or you jerk off to it you know that's normal and healthy and fine even but it brings up the question of to what extent is this desire important to you and this is where you get to choose and if it is an important desire for who you be right not just to get off but actually for who you be in the world for how you want to show up for how you want to be fully self-expressed then i'd say you know this is not the coaching thing the coaching thing is to ask you a question but like the assertion i have is is probably loving to let your partner get into a relationship where he'll be met with his desires for monogamy and to give yourself the chance to also be met with your desires by another partner for the chance to explore non-monogamy or whatever it might be. And this can feel really painful. You know, I've definitely had a relationship where I saw five years in the future and said, well, you will definitely want non-monogamy then, obviously. I just got to sit here and, and wait. And uh, love can exist. And love can also be an insufficient reason to stay in a relationship. Love alone does not mean you're with the right partner. Uh, it does not take only love to thrive in a relationship. And uh, just because you love someone does not mean that you can't also love someone else same time or down the pipeline. And it's okay to choose yourself, even though if it leads to heartbreak of the other person or yours, we actually don't need to protect others when we're offering our truth. And I think a lot of us love to, we don't wanna be hurt either by other people's truths. But like, it's actually our obligation to choose for ourselves what serves us and to be honest and in front with our partners. So we give them a choice to choose in or choose out. Uh, Cause if it's for us, but not for them, guess what? It's not the relationship for either of you, period. And this happens too, when you open up a relationship <laughs> and you bring in a third for a throuple, it was for one of you, not the other, then that situation is actually not for you. doesn't mean you have to break up. It might mean that you re-envision a different kind of openness. Maybe you pause the third, send them away, right? Say thanks, but not right now. And you re-envision a different kind of, of openness. Um, but that's, that's the advice I would give. I love it. Uh, and then lo and behold, that's, that's, that's how it played out, right? So obviously we're not together anymore. Um, so that's kind of what happened. Okay, so we've got a few minutes left here. I think what I want to do is, is make it a little bit personal at the end. So I want to talk a little bit about the relationship that I'm in now and how, you know, the conversation that Craig and I are having right now, I mean, I clearly have a passion for it. So does Craig. I think that even if you don't necessarily have a passion for these conversations, they are so important to have. They can reveal so, so much about you. And what I've noticed is that as I am newly, you know, discovering this and, and going through this with my partner, I will say that it has fueled my own individual personal growth, like exponentially. Um, I'm learning how to have what I, what I value most in life personally is autonomy and freedom. I'm, I, I'd love that more than anything, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I need to be single my whole life. And that was the belief I used to have. It's like, well, I love being my, on my own. So I'll just be single, happy. No, no problem there. Happy, happily single guy. But I'm like, wait a minute why can't I have both? Right. So that's, that's what I was saying earlier. So I'm now learning how to enjoy balancing both security and freedom. Uh, there's that element of self-discovery. Like I love, I mean, you know, it's a coach thing, I guess. I love asking myself, why, why do I want this? 
how important is this? Why, 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 why? And really looking about looking at where these desires come from and, and whether they're ones that I actually want to keep. Um, from a communication point of view, it's certainly allowed me to have a lot more open and honest conversations, which are which has allowed me to practice vulnerability, which then has allowed me to practice courage. So it's really nice after the fact, I'll say, leading up to it, it's scary AF. But, um, you know, like we talked about, if you have someone who's not going to support you through that or not understand that, then, you know, they might not be the right person for you. Um, it also has allowed me to, or both of us, I should say, I'll speak for him here, to really look at what are the different nuances of openness, like, like on that spectrum, where, where are, where's he, where am I, and where do we, how can we meet in the middle of that overlap you're talking about, Craig? And that's, that's such a beautiful thing to actually start to think and really put words to what is usually just a desire, maybe just a feeling in your body, right? Um, boundaries have come up a lot. So how do we set and honor our boundaries and how do we honor each other's boundaries? That's a really tough one. So it has come up um, for us and it, it makes our relationship stronger. Um, for me, patience, uh, if he's listening to this, he's laughing right now. Uh, patience has not always been my strong suit because I do like being on my own. So learning how to meet him where he is and hold that space for his desires without judgment, with greater compassion. Because I, I mean, like I said in the beginning, people will kind of get really, they'll jump into this defense mode when it comes to this conversation for whatever reason, like one's white, one's right, one's wrong, right? And even I kind of found myself doing that, judging his his desires and choices. So it's really good to like put that away, put that judgment aside and really just be there for your partner. All of these things, looking at your triggers, all of this stuff is a lot of work, but I will say regardless of the relationship, regardless of whether we stay together or not, regardless of whether we're open or not, the strategic byproduct of these conversations has been completely renewed me as a, as a coach, as a man, as a partner, as an individual. So tell me then, Craig, for you, in your, in your relationships, uh, whether you want to speak to the one you're in now or previously, how has this impacted you personally? Um, well, I'll say this. I began my relationships and was in monogamous relationships for my first like six years of dating. And my last few, every partner told me, you're obviously going to want an open relationship right now. I don't see why you wouldn't just have it. And I felt so much pain <laughs> in those moments. So I was, let's see, towards the end of my college career, freshly after. And I was in a world where I was learning to grow as a professional and kind of get my life together and take my first steps for school. What I desired authentically was monogamy. Because I wanted that comfort and that safety. And yeah, I had other sexual desires, but it just wasn't my authentic truth. So part of the thing I want to impart for those listening is like, regardless of what other people say, what you feel is right. And there's nothing wrong about my desire then just because I now prefer non-monogamy. Like the, the variables in my life simply change. And now what I have is more access to that desire. And at one point I might prefer monogamy again. But in my current relationship, I'll say this, uh, we came to non-monogamy partially at like a forced choice. I got injured. I wasn't able to have the sex that I wanted to. I didn't feel like being versatile anymore. <laughs> so everything sexual basically hurt for me uh, for a hot minute. If anyone's had a fissure, needed a hysterectomy, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. They're not fun. I would not wish them on anyone. 
Um, so it really was an act of intentionality and love to choose to be non-monogamous so that, hey, my partner could have his sex drive and libido fulfilled. And I'll be transparent and also freed up a lot of my energy because I never had to like carry the need to fulfill his libido when I physically would be in pain and, and just didn't feel like I could. There was a huge block there because of my pain and, and our non-monogamy gave me a choice just to heal and be with it and for him to have his fun. But since then, it's really been a choice of, A, checking in a lot. What do we want? Do we want this tonight? Do we want this this weekend? Do we not want this at all? We just went on vacation. You know, how open or not do we want to be on this vacation? What does a successful vacation for us look like in general and in regards to our own sex and adventure and play? So we have a lot of those conversations and, you know, two years in, they're normal and they're easy. And in the beginning, they were not. And I think the truth is, even for a skilled practitioner, like I know how it goes, and I've done this many times before, in a new relationship, it's normal to also have our own fear or ick. An important thing was for me to keep on going and to trust on the other side of my fear around being vulnerable in these conversations was a truthful answer that would lead us into a better relationship or lead us into a different relationship with somebody else. And I'm just happy that this one has time and time again led us to come back together. Um, has allowed us to actually hit some bumps. You know, we've talked a lot about how this is an exploratory adventure. I also want to be transparent and say, not every time has it gone well. Or maybe sometimes I said yes to something and then two hours later, I'm like, holy fuck. That is clearly not what I wanted or needed <laughs> right now. I'm tired and underfed and I do not want to you on the dance floor making out with this person. So let's take a trip to the bathroom and check in and talk. And it's normal in these experiences to actually have that, where we are gonna bump up against ourselves or say yes and learn that what we really desired was a boundary that said no in that moment. And um, the joy is that you get to trust your partner and yourself to have those moments to come back. And that's to me what makes the relationship really juicy and loving is like, we can fuck up and yeah. come back together and be stronger. And that takes away so much of the fear. Amen to all of that. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for that share. And thank you for letting us into to your relationship a little bit. Okay, Craig, this has been super helpful for me personally, and I'm sure for the viewers and listeners out there. So if people wanted to connect with you, where could they find you? Totally. So you have a few options. Uh, I post every day almost on Instagram. So you can find me at Craig, C-R-A-I-G, Cassie, C-A-S-S-E-Y, Junior. That's my handle. I have post videos around sex and relationship and how to be an entrepreneur because hell, Michael, I feel like everyone in our generation, everyone has a side hustle or we want <laughs> to call for more abundance. So you'll see everything there. But on my personal website, it's my uh, first name, last name, Craig Cassie, C-A-S-S-E-Y.com. And you can just check out more info about my services. Currently, I'm accepting a few new clients only uh, for sex coaching, relationship coaching, and the like. But as like a freebie for this, if y'all contact Michael, if you're one of the first three people to reach out to him, I will happily give you a pro bono coaching experience and we'll see what fun fuckery we can create for you. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Craig. I, I got to say, um, I follow, I've been following Craig since we met back in, was it 2019? 
Yeah, Puerto Vallarta. Yeah, in Pee Wee. (laughs) I met Craig in the ocean in Pee Wee. So ever since then, when I when we exchanged instas, um, I got to say Craig's content is is amongst my favorite on Instagram. I love it. I mean, he resonates very deeply with me. So if you guys are regular listeners or viewers of this podcast and you and you resonate with me, then you will definitely love Craig. Um, So thank you so much for all the amazing content you put out there, Craig. Okay, guys, so we are at the end of this episode. Um, For those of you who want to join us in the Gay Men's Brotherhood Facebook group, please do. It's a free Facebook group. Uh, We've got 3,400 plus members now. We talk about uh, all these topics, personal development, mental health, sexuality, and the like. Um, We are also having uh, the Gay Men Going Deeper membership community, which is where we take the uh, content from these podcasts and we go a little bit deeper with Matt Callen and I and we provide you guys with some actionable teaching videos and coaching videos um, please join the waitlist for that we will be opening our doors at some point in the future um, and if you're watching this on YouTube please give us a like a subscribe send us a comment I love reading the comments from you guys ask any questions give any feedback I'll be responding there and of course uh, you can follow us on Instagram at gay men's brotherhood I am Michael I am Wellismo underscore coach and Craig is Craig Cassie Jr. Okay guys thank you so much for joining us today thank you Craig and have a great day everyone <laughs>